With Hashem's assistance, we are learning Kedushan Daf Nun Gimel, page 53. We begin the very last words in Mbez, Mbez, page 52b. Amar Rabbi Yechanan, Rabbi Yechanan said, top of 53a, Nimnu v'gamru, they all voted and agreed, Hamakadish b'chelkoi, that if someone marries, tries to marry a woman with his portion, bin kachim kachim, bin kachim kalim, whether we're talking about the higher level of holiness, or the lower level of holiness, that the Kohen has uh, some kind of food from, Lucky that you cannot do that. Everyone agrees, even though originally Rabbi Yehuda had said, not like Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Yehuda had said that they are considered married. But in the end, everyone agreed, and everyone agreed, even according even Rabbi Yehuda. Rav Amar Adan Rav says, no, actually it's still an argument. Rabbi Yehuda never was convinced. Amar Abayi, Abayi says, Actually, like Rabbi Yechanan, it makes sense, because we're going to find that we're going to have this b'raisa, that for all intents and purposes will seem to be Rabbi Yehuda, and it will seem to be that Rabbi Yehuda agrees that it's not considered his, that he can't use it for anything other than eating. Titania, we learned in a b'raisa. Let's say somebody has a portion in the menachos, in the flower offerings, and he also has a portion in some kind of sacrifice. So the way it would work was that each of the different members of the of the group of Kohanim that was there, so they would each split up the flower offering, and they would each split up the sacrifices. How do you know that you can't trade portions? Let's say I just want the flower offering, and you just want your sacrifice. How do we know that I can't trade my portion in the flower offering for your portion in the sacrifice? That's the verse says, Any flower offering that, sh- that shall be baked in an oven, To all the sons of Aaron it shall be, meaning it must be split up. You might think that you can only not be able to split up and trade menachos, the flower offerings corresponding to the sacrifices. Because we never find that if, let's say, someone is poor, so he can replace his regular sacrifice with a flower offering. But perhaps you can switch your portion in the flower offering for, for the other guy's portion in the bird offering. Because we do find that if you don't have the money to be able to bring a bird offering, you can bring a flower offering. So maybe they're also interchangeable in this regard. Tamad Lomar, that's what the verse says, Again, the verse says, multiple times it says, the flower offering goes to everyone, meaning it has to be split up. You can't change your portion for someone else's portion in something else. You might think that you only can't do this in regards to a flower offering corresponding to a bird offering. Because there are different types of things. One is an animal and one is flower. But maybe you can split up. You can trade your portion in the, in the bird offering for your portion in the sacrifice. These are both involving blood. That's what the verse says. There's an extra verse in regarding flower offering. So if it's not teaching you anything in regards to flower offerings, it's teaching you in regards to something else. You also has to be given out to everyone. You might think that you also don't, you can't split up your portion and trade your part of the bird offering for, for a sacrifice. Because there are different types. One, when you slaughter the bird, so you slaughter with your fingernail, a special thing called malika. But when you slaughter the animal, you do it with a knife. But maybe you can trade your portion in one flower offering for the other guy's portion in the other flower offering, because both of them are being done with the hand. They're similar. That's what the verse says. Any mincha, any uh, flower offering that's mixed up with oil, again it says, goes to all of the sons of Aaron. You might think that you only can't 
uh, exchanger portion in a certain type of flour offering which was offered with one type of pan for something which is offered in a different type of pan. And vice versa. Because in one type of pan, so it ends up being soft and this one ends up being hard. But maybe if it's made in the same type of pan, you can indeed trade your portion for someone else's portion. And for the other type of pan as well. Because both of them are hard. Or both of them are soft. That's why the verse says, Again, the verse says another time that the flower offering has to be split up amongst all the children of Aaron. Here's where we get to the point. You might think that you that you can't split up when it comes to the Holy of Holies, the holiest type of sacrifice. But you can exchange your portion in regards to a lighter level of the sacrifices. So the verse says, Each person is like his brother. They all have to be equal. And it puts right next to that, if it will be for a toda, which is a lower level of holiness. And the Gemara says, Just like you can't split it up, you can't exchange your portion for someone else's portion when we're talking about the holiest of holies. You also can't split up your portion and trade it when you're talking about a lower level. So here we see exactly like Rabbi Yechanan said, because this Brisa is Rabbi Yehuda, like we're going to say, and we see that you can't do whatever you wish with this stuff. It's not considered yours. It's it's only for eating. So it sounds like Rabbi Yehuda has indeed in the end been maskim, agreed to Rabbi Meir. Now, there's still more to this Brisa. Ish, ish choylik afilu The verse says a man. What is that saying? It's saying that a man splits it up, meaning he gets a portion, even if he has some kind of blemish. But a minor can't get a portion, even if he doesn't have any kind of blemish. Now, stam sifra money. When we have this type of brisa, which is coming out of the sifra, which is coming out of vayikra, so who is it? Rabbi it's Rabbi Yehuda, and he's the one that's saying that you don't have any opportunity, any option to split up what you have, and you can only eat it, you can't trade it off. So it's a proof like Rabbi Yechanan. Rabbi says, we don't have a brisa like Rav, saying that Rabbi Yehuda still holds what he holds. We have a brisa. The more modest of the Kohanim, they would pull their hands back when it came to splitting up the lechem upon him, the special showbread. And the more... Uh, out there, guys, the horny ones, so they would split up their portion. And it almost sounds like that they would get, they could get, you could trade. No, it doesn't mean that they could trade. Actually, it means that they would grab. Like it says in the end, there was a story with one guy, that he grabbed his own portion and the portion of his friend. And they called him the, the stealer until the day of his death. Rabbi Barashila said, Me'ekra, where do we see that the word Hamsan means stealing? From the following verse, God, free me from the hands of the evil. From the one who does evil and steals. Rabbi says from the following verse, Again, this verse we see refers to stealing as Chaimetz. The Gemara continues. We're talking about the second tithe, which is something that has to be brought to Jerusalem. So whether we're talking about if you did it by accident or intentionally, Rabbi Meir says that they're not considered married. Rabbi Yehuda says, no, if you did it intentionally, they are considered married. And like you said in the Mishnah, according to Rabbi Yehuda, Meisr Sheni is considered the value of the person who's bringing it up and doesn't belong to God, so to speak. And therefore, you can marry with it. How do we know this? Meaning, how do we know the Shita of Rabbi Meir? Rabbi Meir says that, no, you can't marry with it. 
It's only for Hashem. It's not meant being able to marry a woman. Now the Gemara asks, In regards to the tithe that the Levi takes off of the Meiser that he gets, the verse says, So too shall you take it off. Also you shall take off for the Kohen for God. We learned that someone who tries to marry with, if he is a Kohen and he has Truma, he tries to marry. It works. So, the, so what do we see? The verse says, Lashem, it's, it's for God. And unless we say, you can indeed get married with it. The more answer is that, like, Siv be Lashem. It doesn't say for God. It says, it's the truma of God. It doesn't say for God. Therefore, it doesn't mean that it's only for God. So the Gemara says, mm-hmm. In regards to the Chal, it says, You shall give it to God. If someone gives someone gives a woman, he tries to marry her with a donation, which is referring also including Chala, so it's considered married. The Gemara says, No, it's different. It doesn't say the word, It shall be holy. So you need, in order for it to be considered something that you can't marry a woman with, that's to say, Kodesh Lashem, it's holy unto God. And that would say that it's only for God and it can't be used for marrying a woman. Now the Gemara asks, In regards to Shemitah, the verse says, that it is the Jubilee year, it shall be holy unto you. If the issue is that it has to say holy, so here it says holy. But we see that you're allowed to go and marry somebody with Shemitah fruits. So the Gemara answered, like, because there it says it's holy, but it doesn't say to God. Now the Gemara asks, in regards to Truma, the verse says, the people of Israel are holy unto God, gracious to us, the first of his crops. Meaning that the verse refers to the people of Israel, it compares it to Truma. And we see that what does it say in regards to the people of Israel, who is compared to Truma, that we're holy unto God. And we learn that in Mishnah, that if you marry somebody with Truma, they are, they are considered married. And we see that it uses both words. And the Gemara says, no, who be Israel, that verse is talking about the Jewish people. So we turn to Nagim on the base page 53b. Can't we figure out from the fact that the Torah is talking about the Jews and it compares it to Truma and it uses these words, we still can figure it out that in regards to Truma also it's called Kodesh Lashem, it's holy unto God, and therefore Truma you shouldn't be able to use it to marry a woman. Our answer is Tirgama Ravin Savakamedirav. Ravin, the elder, explained this in front of Rav Amar Kra. Who the verse, the verse says who it shall be. So from the fact that it says that word, that always teaches us that it has to remain in its previous status, which means that once it's holy, so it has to be used only for that holy state, and it can't be used for any other thing. Now the Gemara continues. But hektish b'meizid kidesh. If let's say you're talking about uh, something that belongs to the temple and you intentionally used it, so it does work. B'shoigig lekidesh According to Rav Meir, but if you did it by accident, so it's not going to be. You're not going to be able to marry a woman with that. Rav Yehuda Omer. Rav Yehuda says b'shoigig kidesh. If you used it unintentionally, it does work. B'meizid lekidesh. But if you did it intentionally, it doesn't work. Amr Rav Yaakov. Rav Yaakov says shanis mineh Rav Yechanan tarti. I heard two things from Rav Yechanan. Shigigas meiser Rav Yehuda. The law in regards to somebody who mistakenly uses Miser, according to Rabbi Yehuda, Shigagas Hektish, the Rabbi Meir, and the one who mistakenly uses Hektish, according to Rabbi Meir, then in both of those cases, that the woman is not married. The marriage does not take effect. One of them is because the woman herself alone does not want it to take effect. And one of them is because both of them don't want it to take effect. And I'm not sure which one that Rabbi Yechonin said goes on which case. 
says, let's let's think about this. Let's look into it. Meiser, in regards to Meiser Shani, she's not interested in taking this and getting mad with this because she doesn't want to have to schlep it all the way to Jerusalem. But he is happy to do it. The nickni is some that by giving her this thing, so he gets the woman and he hasn't done anything wrong. But it's clear that in regards to something that belongs to Hektish, to the temple, they both don't want it. That it will make something that's holy become profane because of them. So why didn't he explain it that way? Rabbi Yaakov, Amar Ipcha, Mistavra. Rabbi Yaakov says the opposite makes sense, actually, meaning it could go either way. Mila, could we not say Meiser, in regards to Meiser Shani, Ihi Nichala, Mishim Tircha de Urcha. So she's not interested in this because she's going to have to schlep it up to Jerusalem. And he also won't be interested in it because if anything happens to it on the way there, because she has to schlep it all the way to Jerusalem, he's the one that's going to end up responsible because she's not going to be married to him unless she really gets something significant from him. And if he doesn't take responsibility for the fact that it might get lost, and Rashi says women are more prone to lose things, so therefore, so so he's not happy about her actually accepting this either. Ella hektish, but hektish bishlama ihi nichala the naskal hektish al yada. She's not interested in causing the hektish, the holy stuff, to become profane. Ella ihu milo nichale. What does he care? The nikni is some because he's going to get a woman for this. And Rashi explains that, of course, he's going to pay back Hektish. He's going to pay back the temple. But what happens is, let's say he doesn't have any money right now. So, in effect, he's borrowing from Hektish. So, he's happy to do it this way. Rava asked the following question of Rechizda. Isha, in Miskadeshes, if the woman has not become married when he tried to marry her with the money of Hektish, what about the money? Does the money become profane and now he owes money to Hektish or not? So he responded and said, If she hasn't become married, so then nothing has happened, so how, why would the money go out free into Chulin? Why would he owe now different money to the Reis Amidash? It doesn't make sense. Let's say someone did the same thing in regards to a transaction which involves buying something, a purchase. He said to him, also in regards to a purchase, it also does not work. Now before we begin the next step in the Gemara, so there's a little introduction that we need to give. Rashi explains that when a person, let's say the Gizbor, the person who's in charge of the treasury of the base of English of the temple, so sometimes he'll give money to be held by different parties. So if he gives it to a money changer, so if the bag is completely closed, the money changer does not have a right to touch that money. However, if the bag is open, so the money changer will usually... Uh, access the money because he's always constantly using money and therefore when the Gizbor gave it to him if it was a mistake and it was he, the Gizbor the person who's in charge of the treasury thought it was his own money and really belongs to the treasury of the of the temple so when he gives it to the Shulchani so the Shulchani is not the one who's at fault because the Shulchani the person who's a money changer so he's always using money so if it's left open for him he's going to use that money so it's the Gizbor the treasurer who's at fault so now that's only in regards to a Shulchani a person who's a money changer but if he gives it to a Balabai it's the regular person who doesn't usually need to use money a lot, so the person who's the Balabais, even if it's open, he's not allowed to touch it. Therefore, if he does touch it, so it's not the treasurer who's at fault, but rather it's the Balabais, the person who's the homeowner who's at fault. Now here the issue in this price that we're about to bring has to do with what about a Chenvani, a person who's a storekeeper? Does he also have the same halacha? Is he like a Balabais if it's left open that he can't access it? Or is he like a Shulchani that if it's left open he can indeed access it? And it's the fault of the treasurer.
I'll ask you a question. Rabbi Meir holds that, in fact, a storekeeper is exactly the same as a homeowner, and he cannot use that money. Rabbi Huda says, No, the person who's a store owner also uses money often, needs money uh, quite often, and therefore, he's just like a person who's a money changer, and if the money's left open, he's not the one who's at fault, but rather only the treasurer is the one who's at fault. They only argue about the fact that whether a chenvani, a storekeeper, is considered like a money changer or not, or if he's like considered like a regular homeowner. Everyone agrees, if he actually used the money, so someone is going to actually have me'ila, meaning it will be considered that someone actually transacted something, it's not going to be chozer ha-mekach, it's not going to be null and void, the transaction, but rather there, there is a transaction. So that being the case, so that's opposite of what Rav Chizda had just said. So the Gemara says like this, Rabbi Meir, Rabbi Meir is saying according to the reasoning of Rabbi Yehuda. According to me, says Rabbi Meir, I hold, if he used the money so nothing has been accomplished, it's not necessary for anyone to bring any kind of korban. According to you, you hold that in fact, if someone uses the money, in fact, there will be a transaction that occurs. You still should agree to me, however, that it won't be so far that a storekeeper is considered like a shulchani, that he has the right to use the money whenever he wants, but more, rather he's going to be like the Balabais, like the homeowner, and therefore he doesn't have any right, the Chenvani, the storekeeper, doesn't have any right to take the money, and therefore the the Gizbar, the treasurer, is not at fault, but the one who's going to have to bring the Korban Ma'ila, the sacrifice for, for accessing something which belongs to Hektish, is going to be the, is going to be the, the Chenvani, the storekeeper. Rabbi Huda responds and says, no, that the one who's at fault is going to be the Gizbar, the treasurer, not the, the Chenvani, the storekeeper, because the storekeeper has the same halacha like a Shulchan, like a person who's always using money, and therefore he has the ability, the right, to open up that money, and the treasurer is at fault.